0: Welcome to this month's bonus cast. We are Phil and Meredith, and we believe that the life of a Jesus follower is a resilient life. So every month, we sit down and have conversations around topics that we hope build a resilient life for you. This month, we are talking about motherhood.
1: And what an important topic that this is for us to be discussing. And I could think of no one better that I would rather have this conversation with then the mother of my children, Meredith. And I'm looking forward to having this dialogue. We're actually going to mix things up a little bit. We usually follow uh, a conversation, a template that we've found to be really helpful for these conversations. But today I just wanted to have the chance to ask you some questions about motherhood, about your expectations, how they compare to the okay, reality, okay. all of those kind of things. You ready? Let's do it. All right. Perfect. So let's talk first about uh, maybe just frame what your experience of motherhood is in terms of like children, years yeah. of doing it. I just want to like paint the picture of what motherhood looks like for you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Great place to start. So we have three, I was getting ready to say three small boys, but they're kind of not as small anymore. They Mm-mm. kind of I feel like we're en- exiting that and now we just have like three boys. boys. Yeah. Full stop. Can drop the uh drop the small there. So we have a 7-year-old Theo who is in first grade. We have a 4-year-old Lincoln who is in preschool and then we have a brand new 3-year-old Winston. So it's all boys in our household. And so th- obviously that means I've been a mom for a little over 7 years now. I've been pregnant twice. One of our boys is adopted. So that's kind of a unique experience that we have as well and adds an additional layer in what um, my view of motherhood is and what it means to be a mother and what some of that has been like. And it's a blast. And they add a lot of joy and excitement and energy and noise to our world.
1: Yeah, emphasis on the noise.
0: Emphasis on the Daily, noise.
1: Daily hourly <laughs> from about 6am until 8pm it's Non-stop. just constant noise. Yep. Yeah. And even when they're sleeping really there's Still still, noise. There's still conversation and rolling around and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I want to have this conversation because, of course, we're in the season of Mother's Day, and and motherhood means so many different things to so many different people. But you have been a mother, yeah, for seven years now, Mm -hmm. and uh, and if you if you didn't know, we have three boys. I'm one of four boys. My dad is one of five boys, and so I grew up and am helping raise. Boys, like it's just boy city in my life. I don't know what to do around women. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm confused. I I don't know how I managed to snag a woman like Meredith because <laughs> I was always awkward speaking with girls growing up because I'm just used to growing up around boys. But, but motherhood is such a a beautiful. Um, a beautiful stage age season position to be carrying. And I think that you do it with such grace. Talk to me uh, and talk to us about what does it mean to even be a mother, knowing that what you were just sharing is that motherhood comes about for different reasons, whether it's biological adoption, or even just mother figure role model kind of thing. What does motherhood look like for you?
0: Yeah, I think that part of what's an interesting question about that is it even gets into what is parenting and what is, you know, child rearing and all of that. And I think that's really important because I think mothers serve a unique role in the parenting um, like sphere and in the parenting scope of what that looks like and what that means, because father's father differently than mother's mother. Sure. And, and that was a really important lesson for me early on in learning that it's okay for us to do things differently inside the parenting, um, inside the parenting, I don't know, scope role and structure, position I mean, structure. Yeah. yeah. And so I think when I think of motherhood, what I think of is the, the position that moms have in caring for and in raising their kids. And for me, a big part of that is being that space of comfort and that space of um, of safety for our kids and them always knowing kind of that, that there is this space where they are unconditionally seen and unconditionally loved. There's a, a scripture in the book of Isaiah 60, um, in Isaiah verse, chapter 66, I think it's around 13 or somewhere like that. And it compares God's love for us to the love of a mother. Mm. And the way it describes it is that he will comfort his children in that moment. beautiful And so that reminds me that it is part of my role to be comforting. And I think that was, it comes comes naturally in some ways, but also I haven't always seen myself as a very, um, I don't know, a, a, a softer version of what femininity looks like.
1: Nurturing. Yeah.
0: Nurturing (laughs) and, you know, all of that. But, but realizing that, that it's okay to be in that space as a mother. And I think that um, obviously there's the parts of who births someone and who, that is a form of mothering and that it is a role of mothering, but it is not exclusive to that because there are so many people who I think mother and train up and comfort and nurture people in their lives who are also not the person who gave birth to that person.
1: Yeah. And I like that you distinguished and called out the point about parenting, in general earlier about how I I do think that there's some overlap between the roles of fathers and mothers. We're not talking about two completely exclusive and distinct roles that there are some things that are just wired more when it comes to fatherhood. And there are some things that are wired more when it comes to motherhood. And, and so if we're talking about protection and provision they might be things that are geared more towards fatherhood, but certainly not exclusive. Totally, Mothers are also able to protect. As a matter of fact, 100%. mothers protect their children, their young offspring, often more yeah,
0: yeah. Than,
1: than a father would in those early years. And so um, I, I think that there's a, a big overlap when it comes to those roles. But I do think that there's some parts that are really drawn to mothers and that mothers are particularly drawn to mm-hmm. as well
0: yeah i I totally agree with that, and I think that if you know if we look at the the data and the research that's happened over the last couple of years, we see that there is um there are gaps that need to be filled if one of those parental figures are not in the home and and acknowledging that a lot of people find themselves in that role and in that position, and so saying, okay, but that means that that person was bringing or should have been bringing something to the equation. And, and then how do we create space for, for bringing in other people who can be that mothering figure if that person is not immediately there for that child, yeah. uh, especially in the early years when they're being raised and, and, the you know, in the adolescent years when they're being raised and
1: trained and all of that. For sure. Okay. So you were raised in a Western Midwest American yeah, 21st yeah. century context and culture. Mm -hmm. And so that impacts what motherhood looked like for you growing up. Yeah, definitely. And the perspective that you had around motherhood. Talk to us about what did you expect about motherhood? And then how is that either the same or different than what you've actually found in motherhood in reality?
0: Yeah. I think that I thought a lot of it would come um, really easily. And that it, uh, in fact was a lot, I have, I've had to be a lot more intentional with it than I thought that I would. I thought that, you know, you have a baby and you know what to do with it and you know where to go with it. And you know, what is, you know, you, I just kind of just kind of was going to come. And I've had to be a lot more intentional than I realized that I would have to be. And I have had to do a lot of research and have a lot of conversations and trial things and go back from things. And and I think that was um, unexpected for me in terms of myself in motherhood.
1: Yeah. Makes me think about the book that I wrote as an 18 year old (laughs) about fatherhood (laughs) before I had any children of my own. You know, when you're 17, 18 years old, you often know everything or think that you know everything, pretend like you know everything. Right. And so, you know, when I'm that age, I'm looking around and I'm like, these parents don't have any idea what they're doing. I, I need to educate and lecture these people about everything that they're doing mm-hmm. wrong. Right. And so I, I wrote this book, you know, ended up being like 20 pages or something like this. And it was basically just observations of everything that I thought that parents were doing wrong about, you know, inconsistencies in their parenting and, you know, all of those kind of things. And then you get into parenting and you're like, oh, now, now I see why things are the way that they are, whether it's first child, second child, third child, whatever. And, and so I, I think that you're right, that if you're not really intentional, you realize that, you know, if you're just going through the motions, you can be an okay parent, but the success of your children is often determined by the intentionality that you have as a parent. How prepared are you before going into it? Even before every day, how prepared are you? We often have these ideals of what do we want each day to look like? And yeah. then all of a sudden, it's an hour into the day and you realize that you've yelled at your kids three times because they aren't eating their breakfast or whatever that is. Yeah, you know, that's yeah. the season of life that we're in. and And, and if you're not prepared for the day, and if you are personally not prepared, then the outcome of your children looks pretty different.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and and I certainly think that I underestimated the level of preparation and intentionality that has to go into it to um, to make parenting a success, and uh, and didn't yeah didn't see that coming.
1: Yeah. Now we decided to to grow our family. We got we started dating. We got engaged. We got married. Yeah. We took a few years of marriage, just the two of us getting to know each other better and really helped define who we were and our values and our culture as a couple and as a family before deciding to intentionally start our family. Yeah. That's our story. So obviously not the case for everybody, but yeah. but I'd be interested in how did you know personally that you were ready to to become a mother?
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's a very, um, I think it's a very funny question actually that, Mm -hmm. you know, that people ask a lot. I think people ask... Us that a lot. How did you know you were ready to become parents? And then I hear young couples ask, "How do we know when we're ready to have kids?" You know, if you are in the position to um to make that intentional decision moving forward about your kind of like next stage of life, and I think the the easy and the obvious answer for anyone who has been a parent for more than a couple minutes is you're not, you're not never. ready, and you're never ready, I and thought you're I not going to be ready for this. Right? <laughs> right. There's yeah, yeah, no. Yeah. There's nothing that will make you ready for what you're getting ready to embark on. And I think that became more and more apparent to me the more that I have kids. And uh, and I think today, this morning, I would say... I'm not ready, right? Mm. I'm not ready for where we're at. But I think at the heart of the question to maybe take it a little bit more seriously is, are there things that can help you be more prepared and are there things that make you less prepared? And I think in an ideal situation when, you know, when all things are maybe as you would desire them to be, some things that helped me feel kind of Um, some factors that I remember considering going like, yeah, maybe this is the time for us to move into a new kind of like stage of our life together. Um, was that feeling of feeling connected with, with my partner and feeling like you and I had built a, an amount of understanding in one another and an amount of connection together. I remember to talking to someone, um, after Theo was born our oldest after he was born that just remarked on like man you the two of you just seem so in sync throughout stages of pregnancy and and the discussions and all of the things that have to happen through that throughout that time and so I remember feeling a sense of like we had created a level of a foundation that I felt comfortable moving forward on um, and I think we had a level of, of cons- I would say, financial consistency. I wouldn't say uh, financial abundance by any means. I was actually, a, another friend and I were talking the other day, and I was like, sometimes, you know, you look back at your younger self, and you're like, what were we thinking? Like, how on earth? We had no idea. Uh, we were not ready yeah. in hindsight for some things, but there was a level of consistency, right? There was not question marks about are do we have finances coming in or and some of those types of things that I certainly think, but more than anything, and and I think this is probably just in general. I'm more of an intuitive decision maker. I remember us being, um, with family visiting family, and one of our um brother brothers had had their first. Your brother had had his first baby. And we were around them. And I think she must've been, I don't know, a year old, maybe two, something like that. And I just remember watching the two of them and thinking, and for the first time for me, feeling that, oh yeah, yeah, let's do that. Which was new for me because I, different from what I've heard some women's experience is, I was not like, while we were engaged, while we had first gotten married, the the type of person who was like, I can't wait for us to have babies. I can't wait for us to have babies. I can't wait for us to have babies. I hear, and I talk to other women who have that experience, but that was a noticeable kind of like shift in my internal world for me.
1: And so you would distinguish between that feeling when you're around our eldest niece mm. and, and baby fever that other people might yeah, have. Yeah, yeah. That's a different feeling for you.
0: Yes. Yeah, I think so. And I mean, maybe that's the closest thing I've ever had to baby fever. Um, but uh, yeah, I hear other people talk about that. I never really experienced that sense of what I hear described as baby fever. Um, and don't have it today either. You know,
1: not anymore, <laughs> not
0: anymore.
1: Nope. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's good. And uh, I think that's really helpful. Like you said, you can think that you're ready, but then actually getting into it and realizing, man, I'm so selfish at my yes. core. I like being able to sleep through the night. Yes. You know, all these things that you can think in theory, oh, sleep's not that important. I've got so much extra love to give. And, and I don't mind putting a car seat in the back of the no, car. No, man. You, know, like yeah. you realize it's not just for, uh, for a weekend like this little kids with you all the time
0: all the time and yeah. i think maybe to go back to your question and specifically on like the thought of motherhood um it, i was not probably prepared for the level of of the your physical body that is being given to wow. someone else yeah um, certainly if we're talking in the scope with our first about in the space of like a biological child, I nursed our first kid, our like the num the amount of my physical self that is now being occupied by someone else, required by someone else. I I remember in those first months being like, I just I miss my own space and I miss having my own space. And even now, as our kids have got, have gotten somewhat older and i um, mean, you know, you've seen at dinner time often, some, a couple of the younger two will be like, oh, I want to be like on you or I want to sit. And you're just, I wasn't prepared for how much I would be like, I, I want to eat my food without someone on me. Yeah. I want to just, I just, I, that's not that invasion of personal space. And, you know, and I hear older parents and I try to live and re- remind myself, you know, our kids are still little, even though they're not babies anymore. They're still little. And I know in 10 years I'll be like, does anyone want to come sit on my lap? Right, like, right. <laughs> um, and And I try to live in that. But at the same time, the awareness that your own physical space becomes a non-topic anymore. They have no care for boundaries or physical space or you know all of that. And I I certainly think that I underestimated that and the uniqueness of that as a mother for sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's so true that your your physical boundaries become uh like they're non-existent. Yeah. Essentially. Like yeah. you're you're giving up all that. Yeah. Even practically what what I would say that um that I did to help get myself ready was, I don't know if someone ever told me this or if I just decided that it was a good idea, but, but I thought I, when I was a young adult and in college, I thought I'm not ready to be a dad right now. I'm not ready to be a parent, but I want to get myself ready over the years. And so one thing that I can do right now is I can get a plant. And if I get a plant and if I can keep a plant alive for a while, mm-hmm. then, then that's a good step one. Mm-hmm. because I might not be ready to keep a child alive, but i if yeah, I can keep a yeah. plant alive, then that's, that's a good step. And then once I did that for six months, then I thought, okay, well, next for me is like if I can get a goldfish and keep a goldfish alive for yeah, six yeah. months, right? And then I could not keep a goldfish alive for like more than a couple of weeks. And yeah. so I had to go through a couple of different goldfish. And then when we got married and and then we got a dog, and I thought like if we can keep a dog alive for a little while, like the, to me, it, it's a, a progression to the point of – it's almost like learning responsibility in that yeah, sense yeah. of knowing I have to feed this thing. I have to nurture, I have to take care of this thing. And if you're not doing that, then you always expect that you only have to take care of yourself. For me, that was the journey of thinking of other, not just thinking I can, I can be selfish in my approach to life. And then all of a sudden, boom, I've got a child and then it's going to be a massive adjustment for me. Yeah, yeah. It kind of eased me into the on-ramp of, um, of taking care of, a child as well. It worked for me. It all made right, sense for right. me. And all of our children are still alive. Mm-hmm. So so true. it worked. Very true. Yeah. Okay. So you, you talked about how so much of motherhood is sacrifice, whether it's your own body, whether it's your time, yeah, finances, all those kind of things. But there is obviously a lot of joy when it comes to motherhood as well. That's yeah. the other side of the conversation is that we chose to do this. And, yeah. and there's times of difficulty and there's times of, of of, stress. What are some of the biggest joys that you find in motherhood?
0: Yeah, I think one of the coolest things um, that I've experienced about motherhood is watching our kids grow and learn and discover new things and seeing them have new experiences and and explore and learn about the world around them it's a really amazing thing to watch the way that they take in that information and to see the world through their eyes is really really um just inspiring and enlightening and it makes you realize in some ways the wonder that we don't slow down for as we're adults when they're just fascinated by earthworms you know and they're spending. I mean, minutes on minutes looking at the way a worm moves and grows and the way it digs and the way it, you know, changes when you hold it or all of that. And you're, you know, you and I look at an earthworm and you're like, yeah, sure, whatever. And to see it through their eyes, I think has been a really, really cool experience to me. Um, And then, particularly, I think recently, I've found a lot of joy in watching their relationships together, having three. Three very different boys, watching them all create their own bonds and the way that they interact together and the way that they have their special little, you know, two of them will have a special little thing that they do together and then the other two will have a special little thing. And then sometimes they have like, you know, games that they're all three playing together. Watching those relationships form and develop, I think is something really unique and special that I find a lot, a lot of joy in.
1: That's great, yeah, I would agree. the curiosity found uh in in children is uh, is wonderful yeah so explain to me um a, a little bit about about what people say to you ab- about motherhood um and and how different people say different things, right and so like I'm not a mother, uh, no one speaks to me about motherhood for the most part yeah uh, but but different people would speak to you and, and maybe give opinions about motherhood. And I know that your experience is being a biological mother, being an adoptive mother. Yeah. Being a working mother. Yeah. Um, and, and not just a working mother, but a mother who's raising children in ministry as well. Sure. All the layers of those kinds of things. Yeah. And so what do people say to you that is helpful? And what do some people say to you that might not be the most helpful?
0: Yeah. I think I have one thing that would be an answer to both things at the same time. Okay. Which is on the regular people say things, um, along the lines of, uh, slow down and the moments are going to go so fast and make sure you're paying attention. And at the same time, it's really great advice and really helpful. And at the same time, it's, um, there's an essence of it that I think tries to ignore the struggle or brush away the struggle of a certain season of parenting as well. Um, as opposed to just saying to someone when they're saying to you, oh my goodness, the kids were up all night last night, they've been rotating, getting up the younger two. And, and a response to that often can be like, oh, but you'll miss these moments. Okay. Can you just acknowledge though, that I got 90 minute blocks of sleep last night and
1: now I'm tired. Yeah.
0: And I'm tired. Like, don't just ignore that. And so I think I feel that at the, at the same time. At the, and then at the same time, as I said earlier, I'm aware that there is so much truth in that. Even at the age our kids are now, I look and I go, oh my goodness, it's gone so fast. No one's crawling around anymore. And you know, nobody needs a bottle anymore. And when did that happen? Um, and so I think that is simultaneously helpful advice and unhelpful advice. I, um, I wish that people would stop asking working mothers um, where their kids are Immediately when they see them.
1: Yeah.
0: I, and I think part of the reason it grates on me is because, is because I see that it doesn't happen to you. And so that becomes um, just very, very tiring sometimes. And I think um, in the workplace becomes um, a, a detraction from why I'm at a meeting not that my kids are a detraction and not that my motherhood is a detraction because they are incredibly valuable parts of who I am but when i've come to a meeting to talk to you about this and I, and i'm acknowledging and aware that that the men in the room were not asked where their kids are right, that's it right so there. that they can be at this meeting i find that really tiring and i get i get tired of um, of having that conversation I wish that for all moms everywhere, people would stop telling them that they look
1: tired. Mm. We, Even if they do. We
0: know that we look yeah. tired yeah, and yeah. we are tired. <laughs> and your comment that I look tired is not helpful. It's not helpful. And, and I think for pregnant women, probably in that same category, stop commenting on their size one way or the other. Because I was huge when I was pregnant and i was very aware that i was huge when i was pregnant and i got so many are you sure there aren't two in there and all of that
1: i'm not going to confirm or deny uh, that. yeah
0: yeah but the but the numbers would show that that was accurate and that's fine and i'm okay with that now but it's exhausting when you're constantly hearing that but at the same time i have friends who um who haven't gained a large amount of weight or weren't very visible pregnant and that's another kind of pressure because we put so much emphasis on it or who were also at the same time having meetings with their doctors because they felt like their baby was measuring too small or was behind the growth marks that the doctor wanted to see. And then every person they go to is like, oh, but you look so small. And and for some reason, we think that that implies that you look great or whatever value we're adding to that. I think that people should stop commenting on what size moms are.
1: Yeah. And I think maybe the average person that might be listening to this conversation today might say that doesn't happen anymore. You know, maybe that was true 50 years ago. Yeah. That's what people used to say. Uh, I can attest it. It still happens. Yeah. All the time. 2015, 2020, 2025. You know, that that conversation is still going on today. And I've been in the room where I'll walk in and I'll say hi to everybody that's in the room and then Meredith will walk into the room and then people will ask her where the kids are yeah. and who's taking care of the kids like you asked and and that I remember seeing that for the first time thinking nobody asked me where my kids were yeah and i and i understand the desire to connect but it's not the same experience yeah. for men and women and so I, I would just encourage people to be sensitive to that and to be intentional and ask yourself the question, what do I mean when I say that? And what is going to be interpreted and heard when I say that? And think of other things that you could be saying as well. Not yeah. just be saying to a mom, man, you look tired. If you know that person well, and if you have great relationships and, and depth of relationship, maybe it's not just observing the tiredness, but maybe it's offering to help with the yeah, cause absolutely. of the tiredness. Absolutely. You know, less observation, more support.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. So I, I want to wrap up by asking you about some of the things that you speak over our children and that you pray over our children. Yeah. It's something that I have grown to love deeply about how you parent and just about how you are, how you're wired as well, um, but the the intentionality that you have in raising, helping raise the children. Um, what does that look like, the power of words and blessing and prophecy over our children um, and then also the the prayer specifically, and what are you hanging on to and declaring over them?
0: Yeah, I think yeah, I, one of the things that I really value is the words that we speak over our children. Um, and I find it I think that it's really powerful. I really believe that the words that we speak um, create, the create the world that our kids will live in, but also create the inner narratives that they have about themselves, the things that yeah. they think to themselves about themselves largely will be created by the things that we speak to them and the way that we speak to them. Um, so it's a space that that we have tried to really be thoughtful about and guard really intentionally and. Um, And so in that, I think some things that we've started doing is uh, outside of just scriptures and verses, but is the things that we speak to them when they're in a disciplinary moment. I think discipline is about... To me, creating the ability to self correct as they get older and to readjust as they get older. And so, we try really hard to speak things over them about what we should be doing, not just what we shouldn't be doing, and about who they are, not just what. So, right now, we've got three boys that are, you know, trying to find their own spaces and create their own boundaries and solve problems and conflicts. And they do that with their hands more often than they should be, right? They shove each other and they yank from each other and they start. throwing fists and feet and everything. And so we're really working on that, right? It's an area of, so one of the things we repeat to them a lot that I say to them a lot is we solve problems with our words, not with our hands. We solve problems with our words, not with our hands, and then try and walk them through what that looks like. And then when it works out that we've been able to solve this problem by talking about it instead of by snatching or shoving our brother, reiterate to them, do you see how your words solved that problem in a way that hitting wasn't? I think that's a really big thing that we try to do is speak over them. Who are you as Ryburns? Who are you as this or as that? Um, a verse that I love to continually go to to pray over our boys is um, a verse that it says about Jesus. It says that he continued to grow in favor with God and with man. And I think that's a scripture that I come back to regularly to pray over our boys that as they grow um, physically, as they grow emotionally, as they grow mentally, that through all of their life, they would continue to grow in favor with God and they would continue to grow in favor with other people as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's so beautiful. And I, I love watching early on uh, when, when our eldest was just two to three years old, which is when you really start to like become an active. That's
0: when the real parenting starts. Yeah. That's, yep.
1: that's not just like the basic, Keep your child alive, but that's when you begin to direct character and yeah. and see personality at a yeah. way that you hadn't seen in previous stages. And so, I I I had no idea uh, that you could parent that kind of way of speaking to the character of the person, not just correcting the behavior itself. And when you call. The child to a higher level about this is who we are and this is who our family is and this is the way that we resolve issues not just saying don't hit your brother stop throwing that you know we don't necessarily we we do talk to the activity and the action sometimes and the behavior but we often talk about the character of the person that we're raising as well yeah, and encouraging uh, the children to, to come into an agreement and unity with that and then keep reinforcing when you see good behavior, not just correcting bad behavior as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So much. And I think, I mean, one of the things I just want to speak to before we wrap all the way up is, is I think this idea of valuing being a mom. It's, it's one of the things that culturally I just see, a a shift and a push against in the narrative and and i think that there is so much so much value in the fact that it is part of what we are designed for and created for as women is to be be moms who give birth to people and be moms who, who nurture and who care for people maybe that we haven't given birth to. I mean, when we go all the way back to the very beginning when God created Adam and Eve, he says to them, be fruitful and multiply. And, and multiply can potentially apply to a lot of things outside of, of just child rearing and raising, but it applies to the most obvious thing that it applies to in that context initially and first and foremost. It applies to giving birth and raising children. And I think that sometimes we have a tendency in this moment to devalue the role that it is and the the incredible privilege that it is to be a mother to someone. And to be that person who speaks life over them and, and to be that person who creates the way that they will think about themselves and the way that they will think about others and the way that they will self-correct and, and the inner worlds that they have. You know, the scripture, um, there's a scripture that says train up a child in the way that they should go and when they're old enough, they won't depart from it. And I think that part of training up is so valuable, that there is a way to train someone in godliness. There's a way to train them in the things of God. There's a way to train them in a way that they will add beauty and dignity and love to the world and, and goodness and helpfulness. And if we're not careful and if we jump on the cultural train of the moment, there is a a conversation of being a mother is something to put off down the line as long as you possibly can if you ever get to it. And I think there's a cultural narrative that that's kind of a distraction from your real life and the real rest of your world that you have going on. And in actuality, I think that it is one of the most beautiful things that many women are called to do. And of course, it's not what all women are called to do. And of course, there are barriers for some women to becoming that who desperately want it. And and, and I want to acknowledge all of that. And I think that in, in times past, it has been used as a weapon or as a restraint for women sometimes that, that it's the only thing that they're called to do, which is certainly not what I would say. But it is one of the primary and one of the most beautiful things that women are called to do. And as we approach Mother's Day, I think I just want to celebrate and affirm that in moms that- that it is an incredibly meaningful thing for you to do with your life. And whether you choose to do that as a stay at home mom or as a working mom, or whether you are a, you know, a weekend stepmom who nurtures a child that was birthed by someone else, it is a valuable, important role to be able to stand in that place for someone.
1: I think that right there is a. Perfect place to put a punctuation on this conversation about motherhood. And Meredith, I want to say thank you for sharing of your wisdom and experience around and about motherhood. I know that I've enjoyed it and I know that it's blessed others as well here today. And if it has, I want to encourage you to make sure that you're subscribing and sharing this conversation with others that can benefit from it as well. Uh, Parenting, fatherhood, motherhood is all about giving of yourself and sharing. And so you have the opportunity to be doing that as well, sharing the knowledge, sharing the wisdom, sharing the experience so that we can collectively get better at parenting throughout our community and that we can continue raising the leaders of tomorrow. I'm looking forward to a better community and a better uh, next generation that is raising up in the future. God bless you. Thanks for enjoying this conversation with us.